0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntris here. Great show for you today. IDW editor Sarah Gatos joins us to talk about the Star Trek line of comic books and a discussion of Star Trek Discovery. I told you, can't help it. Really enjoying Star Trek and also infuriated by Star Trek Discovery. But uh, the good news is the IDW comic books uh, are fantastic. They really are. Uh, Mike Johnson the writer of the majority of the Kelvin universe, uh, the J.J. Abrams Abrams universe of Star Trek films, his uh, Kelvin universe Star Trek comics have been fantastic and really made me appreciate more uh, the new version of the Enterprise crew. They just finished an arc where Kirk's Enterprise in the Kelvin universe takes on the Borg. That was a really neat story. The current story is called Idik, and it seems to be a romp between alternate universes and you get different shades of each enterprise crew. And we discussed some of those versions with Sarah in the episode. Plus, again, like I said, we're talking about star Trek discovery. We're going into the, uh, mid series, uh, finale, the fall finale, if you will, it's gonna, there's one more episode coming up Sunday night. And then uh, we're, we're dry for until January. But the good news is you can fill that void with a new Star Trek Discovery miniseries that will focus on uh, Takuvma's ship. And uh, it's a, a prequel to the prequel, if you will. It's uh, the you know story of the Klingon ship before things get going in Discovery. And it uh, sounds like it's going to be an excellent story as well. They're also, uh, they just wrapped up or have one more issue left in a... Uh, new Mirror Universe story uh, focusing on Picard in the Mirror Universe, and it's drawn by our pal J.K. Woodward. Uh, It's gorgeous. And we talk about a lot of other uh, Star Trek artists and writers that are doing these comics for IDW. But I'm telling you, uh, as Sarah says as well, licensed comics can be done right, and proof of that are the Star Trek comics from IDW. So it's really great to have Sarah back on a new episode of Word Balloon to talk about the Star Trek comics from IDW and Star Trek Discovery. It's all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your support. Uh, Some more newcomers coming on uh, in the uh, recent days. I thank you very much. And some people have even uh, doubled up on their uh, subscription rate, which is very kind. Do you like Word Balloon? Does Word Balloon help you enjoy uh, the comics and geek culture a bit more with uh, the conversations I have? I certainly hope so. And if uh, you think it's uh, worth your while... Uh, and want to subscribe to Word Balloon, you can go to patreon.com slash wordballoon or the uh, front page of wordballoon.com. Click on the Patreon ad. That will take you to my Patreon page. And, you know, again, do you think the Word Balloon uh, experience is worth the price of a comic each month? I try to give you a lot of uh, great content that goes beyond what we get at conventions and certainly the descriptions in the Diamond catalog, and you learn more about your favorite creators and uh, what inspires them. That's the whole point of doing a Word Balloon. So uh, I appreciate uh, the support from the League that uh, helps me update equipment and get to conventions and uh, keep this boat afloating. So thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by In Stock Trades At InStockTrades.com, there are a lot of really great collections that are available right now from InStockTrades.com. You can get the Batman Flash, the Button Deluxe Hardcover Edition uh, from DC Rebirth, it's the middle story, if you will, leading up to the Doomsday Clock. But uh, Batman and the Flash explore the mysteries of the Watchman universe and uh, manage to uh, slip through some uh, various alternate universes, uh, and uh, I think are a lot of uh, give us a lot of clues as to what's to come uh, in the uh, weeks ahead and months ahead as far as uh, the convergence of the Watchman universe on the DC universe, and some other surprises as well, if you haven't read it. It's uh, Joshua Williamson, a little help from Tom King as well, and uh, Jason Fabok and Howard Porter doing the art. It's 104 pages, 42% off. It's just $11.59. You can get Jeff Lemire's Trillium, the deluxe hardcover edition, uh, Jeff did an amazing job with this mini-series and uh, I think it's uh, one of his uh, sci-fi greats 208 pages, 50% off $17.49 you can get uh, Punisher Back to War this omnibus hardcover edition covers a lot of the early Punisher stuff up to uh, Circle of Blood the amazing story with Stephen Grant and Mike Zeck. work uh, 696 pages it's 50% off just $50 at InStockTrades.com Don't take my word for it. We will tell you some great IDW Star Trek product on uh, the closing commercial. But uh, check it out. Great books at great prices at InStockTrades.com. All right. Without further ado, let's pick up our conversation with Sarah Gatos right now on Word Balloon. Sarah Gatos, welcome back to Word Balloon and in better fidelity this time than our our (laughs) last conversation.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be back.
0: Uh, congratulations as always. I think, uh, the Trek line at IDW is running great. Um, you and Mike Johnson have, uh, converted me on, uh, being a little warmer to, uh, the Che Cheverse Verse version, the yes. Calvin Verse version of these <laughs> characters. And honestly, I, it's a testament to Mike in the way he's been writing the characters. I think he's doing yeah. a great job.
1: I agree. He, he somehow is able to get into the head of these characters in a way, um, that I think is pretty remarkable. Um, but he still, I think, brings so much of himself to it and his creativity and just his love of Star Trek in general. So we're pretty lucky.
0: And you've just started a new, uh, story arc in Boldly Go, which follows, um, the adventures of the, uh, Kelvin Enterprise, uh, post, uh, Star Trek Beyond, where if we all remember in the third film, the Enterprise obviously is destroyed. So, uh, you tell everyone where, where, where the crew is right now.
1: Yes. Well, spoilers if you haven't seen uh, Beyond, but hopefully you have. Um, so so the Enterprise is, is destroyed, and um, at the very end of the film, you see this kind of really cool fast-forward montage of the new Enterprise being built. And so um, we're kind of in that time period um, taking a look at what the crew would be up to during that time period, because as Mike says, I mean, basically – this is kind of a military-esque organization here, they wouldn't just be sitting around um, while the ship's being built. They would be, you know, they're important and valuable assets. So they'd be assigned to um, other ships, other tasks. Um, so Boldly Go asks, what what are they up to in the meantime? Um, and sometimes that means they're together. Sometimes it means they're apart. Um but it's been a lot of fun and it's allowed us to kind of focus in on some, some stranger characters Um, like Kevin. Uh, I don't know if you read um, issue number 10, I believe that was.
0: Tell me about Um, Kevin. And I think I did read read it specifically, but go ahead.
1: It's one of my favorite issues. Um, So in the very beginning of beyond um, Kirk is being attacked by these little tiny green guys. (laughs) Um, and you know, it's kind of just a funny little setup, uh, but a couple of them get beamed back to the ship, um, to the enterprise. Um, and this issue follows, and it's so funny because at the end of the movie, you see one of those little green guys and he's wearing uh, a Starfleet, Starfleet <laughs> tunic. And Mike and I were at the premiere at, um, at San Diego Comic-Con that year. And we both kind of elbowed each other and we're like, yeah. And, and they call him Kevin. His name is Kevin. <laughs> So it just kind of started a conversation between us, like we have got to do the backstory of Kevin. Um, so this this kind of dives into Kevin's life and where he came from and what he's doing on the show.
0: That was a great single issue, and yeah. I mean, and and again, that's the thing. Mike is really capable of doing these great one and dones uh, mm-hmm. as he's been doing throughout uh, his time writing the Kelvin Universe and, and Star Trek. And I, I know you're right. It, that was a very entertaining issue, and. Very star trekky in 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 the best way. so and it's a standalone. so I don't know uh, when when will that be uh, in a trade? Will that be part of the previous arc?
1: That will be part, I believe the second trade. okay. Um, so that won't be out for a little bit. Um, but I also love this one because I feel like it's exactly why um, licensed comics can be so awesome. You bet because it it takes that little moment and just kind of explodes it into its own little world. Um, and it just makes the, the, the experience and the fandom so much deeper and fun. So, we're very lucky that our partners at um, CBS and Paramount are, are with us on this journey um, and let us do these crazy things.
0: The previous arc, uh, too, right, it was a Borg arc. Am I right?
1: Yes, exactly. Um, we, we are imagining what happens when the JJ Trek uh, verse um, encounters the Borg for the first time. Um, and Spock unfortunately uh, becomes victim to them, um, and not to give too much away, but the Spock's logic and the Borg logic um, were kind of a fun area to play in. Sure. Because in some ways they're very similar, and in some ways they're very different.
0: <laughs> no, it was great. And then now, uh, is this the final boldly go arc? And then you're going to take a rest. What's what's the plan with, or uh, is there more to come beyond uh, it? Well, right
1: now, yeah. So. Idik is really fun. Um, Idik is a six-part story um, that explores, you know, Idik is a Vulcan tenant, um, uh, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Yep. And so we're kind of taking that and taking the fact that Star Trek is so good at doing like alternate timelines, alternate sure. dimensions, and just kind of exploding that idea. And we've played around with it a little bit before. Obviously, Star Trek has the mirror universe, which was established in the original series but we've also played around with like gender swap Truck. I think we did that in issue 29 of the uh former Star Trek series. Okay. Um but this one imagines like even more. Like yes. what does a completely robotic um Starfleet look like? It, you know, it's Captain Kirk, but he's a robot. What does that look like? <laughs> what a core tenets of the character transfers over and what doesn't um we've got a plant universe so it's like all organic material
0: oh that's cool that that's coming um, up that's it has, yeah because i'm assuming that we're going to learn this more in 14 and beyond some of the yeah. you know further into Thir- the arc so yeah. go on
1: 13 kind of sets it up sure and um and it's kind of cool because each issue except for the book and the issues of uh, 13 and 16 are going to be done by a different artist oh um, so it'll kind of have not only <laughs> different um, different looks at different tracks, but different artists' interpretations of them um, so uh, I just love again that that um, our partners at cBS and Paramount allow us to do this kind of interpretation and experimentation it's really really fun well, so,
0: great start to it I, because thank you absolutely it's uh the you know and again I I want people to read it so I might spoil a little bit of it in in terms of mm-hmm. Simon Grayson uh, because we do see these alternate universes and one of them is really interesting because Pike is still uh, cap the captain of the Enterprise and his first officer is Simon Grayson and Trek fans will know hearing the last name Grayson we're not talking about Dick Grayson we're talking about Amanda Grayson. Uh, mm-hmm. There were, you know, the Earth name of Amanda, as in Sarek's and, uh, wife and Spock's mother, and apparently in this alternate universe, uh, you know, she the the Vulcans reject Sarek's marriage of uh, of Amanda, and, and she takes her uh, half human half Vulcan son home, and uh, her son bears the resentment and and decides to kind of throw himself into his human side of and so yeah, exactly. Simon Grayson,
1: and and to the point where he surgically alters his ears and <laughs> you should not bring up the word logic around him.
0: It's And, um, and, and he yeah. and Bones are, are good friends and it's, it's very, he's a very Kirk like uh, a Spock in this case.
1: Yep. Yep. And then Kirk. Um,
0: <laughs> yes. Go I hope on. people
1: read this too. <laughs> um, so, so his is that uh, he's basically been raised by Klingon. <laughs> um, so, you know, what does that mean? What is, where, where does his incredible leadership skills go when you're um steeped in the soup of of Klingons instead of the Federation. Um and of course Grayson and Kirk who is called the orphan in this one um <laughs> do not like each other. Uh so yeah, it's just it's just really really fun. Um and again, the fun of comics like yeah, maybe you could do this on TV, you'd have a bunch of CGI fun. Um but just to be allowed to just kind of mix it up and get crazy with oh, it in yeah. this way, it's not something that normally you would see in like a two-hour feature film no. or even in a new um, TV series like <laughs> like Discovery.
0: <laughs> and also, uh, I know in the previous run, I really enjoyed when uh, you had Shatner and Pine switch yes. universes. So you had Shatner in the Kelvin universe and you had Pine in the original series universe.
1: Yeah, yeah, because everybody wants the two captains to meet. You know, that's the thing. They always <laughs> want them to meet up. But in some ways, that's kind of too easy. And one of the great things about um, our partners at CBS and Paramount is they always push us, like, okay, so there's a crossover like Star Trek Green Lantern. The story can't just be that it crosses over. Like there has to be not even just an interesting reason, but an interesting story that springs from it and sure. has a real reason to exist. Um, so it, it's nice to have that kind of support and that extra little push to to make sure that what we're doing is worth everybody's three ninety nine and their time.
0: Agreed. And I think the Doctor Who crossovers worked really well. I think the Planet of the Apes uh, crossover worked really well.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. Like the Apes one, I was incredibly skeptical.
0: Really at, interesting. Uh,
1: yeah. Go on. Oh, I was so skeptical. And then um, the writers uh, Scott Tipton and David Tipton. Literally carved out like <laughs> like a 15-minute portion of a film where all this stuff can happen, and it just works so perfectly, and I don't want to spoil it, but when it got to the end, it just it tied it up so nicely, but in a way that was still exciting, and I just went yes, and um, yeah, they completely got me once I read that part of the outline. So: well,
0: Yeah, my love of Trek is uh, it, it still supersedes my love of the original Five Planet of the Apes movies, but I am a huge fan of the original five and I think they uh, the Tiptons did a great job uh, putting it all together and and I love JK's uh, uh, covers that he did uh, and and those prints oh my god hilarious just just fantastic and speaking of of JK I'm enjoying the uh, the mere universe uh, Picard story that's uh, wrapping up or wrapped up I guess uh, in October
1: yeah we actually just were running a little late Um, poor JK Uh, you know he he uh paints these and right now he's doing ink washes and then we have a colorist um charlie kirchhoff kind of tinting over them but they are um incredibly time intensive to do so we got a little behind we just sent five to the printer um, okay oh
0: good hopefully this week. yeah i wasn't sure if i missed it yet or not so that's yeah
1: really no bad. you haven't missed it yet and and that's a really fun one too again oh, God, it's yeah. you, you take a look at what's out there in track and obviously everybody loves the mirror universe and we've seen it in um, you know, Deep Space Nine. We've seen it in other worlds. Um, but we never saw it in The Next Generation. Um, so this is one that actually CBS uh, helped to create. Uh, they did um, what's called a style guide, where they basically hire an artist, in this case JK, to put together a series of, of pieces of art licensors, if you're making a t-shirt or whatever, can then pick up and make product from. Mm-hmm. And they liked it so much, they are like, man, we should talk to IDW about doing a whole comic about this. Huh. And it spun quickly out of control from there um, to see what you have now, uh, which is basically uh, the story of Picard. And again, it's, it's Mirror Mirror Picard. So it's like, everybody thinks that Mirror Mirror is just like a one-to-one, if you're good, you're evil, da-da-da-da-da. But it's, it's not – I don't know. I think it's way more nuanced than that. Sure. Uh, you know, some characteristics, again, is going to carry over. So the incredible leadership and decisive decision-making skills of Picard, what does that look like when you apply it instead of, you know, helping humanity and the galaxy, you apply it to, like, climbing the ladder of power and stuff like that. Um, and uh, Troy is another really good example In this context of of um, the mirror mirror universe, her kind of mind reading and intuitive ability is used almost like a witch or like an interrogator, um, (laughs) instead of being you know something that's compassionate and used to help people like a counselor. Um, So this one's really fun too because you get to I mean no one has sleeves in the show basically everyone (laughs) has muscles. (laughs) Um, everyone has goatees, uh, everyone really has ridiculous haircuts. Yeah, I call it buff track or sexy track. Um, yeah, like I when I was getting variant covers from people and they were like, Well, what should we do? I'm like, Make it sexy, make it muscle bound. Sure, everyone's been hitting the gym, um, <laughs> even Barkley. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so yeah, that it's been way too fun as well.
0: That's awesome, and really, JK can really nail these uh you know the 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 real look of these actors and stuff and really get authentic and uh you know i'm I'm really glad that uh both idw and jk managed to find this wonderful you know kind of relationship and i know it goes back to his and peter david's uh, book that's named Mm -hmm. whose name is escaping me right fallen angel
1: fallen angel yeah there we
0: go okay um yeah so that's that's great, and also Tony Chastain. I, I always love his uh, Star Trek work for you guys, and Gordon Purcell.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's really one. I you, it's it's hard because when you find these people that you love working with, it's hard not to just work with them forever. Um, but Tony is, you know, one of these guys that I just rely upon so deeply because he just he is able to execute what we need so well on a monthly schedule. Um, and he loves Trek so much, and he works so seamlessly with Mike at this point. So when we were talking about who was going to do the Discovery book, it was very easy for us to go with Tony. That's excellent. Um, yeah.
0: Well, and, and leading into that, so here we go. Uh, it's it's It starts this month in a couple of weeks, right, uh, the Discovery comic, just in time yes. for yes. the mid-season uh, break.
1: Yeah, exactly. We were trying to get it in October. Um, it looks like it's going to be in stores. Uh, actually, in November twenty ninth. Okay. Uh, we're running a little bit late, um, and I think everyone once they, it's a Klingon based book, and once you see the unbelievable details and the costuming and the sets of the Klingon um, ship, especially the sarcophagus ship in the series, mm-hmm. and then you think about how Tony has to draw that, then you go, Oh, right, that's why it's going late. Um, and then the colorist, J.D. Mettler, too. It's, it's incredibly detailed, and it's been very time-intensive, but it's, it's, it's looking awesome. I love it.
0: It's written by Mike Johnson and Kirsten Beyer, or Kirsten Chris, Beyer, excuse Kirsten me.
1: Kirsten Bayer, yeah, um, and that's given us a really special amount of access since Kirsten is a staff writer on the show. Yep. Um, so not only is she now bringing her um, Star Trek talents on the show, and she's also a well-loved uh, Voyager novelist. Um, she's now working with Mike in comics for the first time, so that's really cool too.
0: So, and as you said, this is a Klingon story. So, is this uh, Takuvma and uh, the Sar- sarcophagus ship? What can you tell us about the plot of
1: this series? Yes. So, again, spoilers if you haven't seen the show. But this this is the backstory of Takuvma and the sarcophagus. And um, you know, we got to know him a little bit in the first two episodes, mm-hmm. two two or three episodes, but um why why is he so driven what why um is he so dedicated to um uh making Klingons uh kind of reassert their power and their Klingon ness for a lack of a better word um why does he want to unite the houses so badly um to the point where he could risk it all um and the shift is so different and interesting too you know it's covered. Uh, it's called the sarcophagus ship because it's literally covered with their dead in their in their coffins yeah um what what is the story behind that? um everything in the Klingons seems to have meaning um every piece of armor every every weapon, every ship now that we're seeing has these meanings. Where did they come from? what drove him um to this point so that's what this four issue mini series is exploring
0: that's great and i and I know i mean you know we know from previous. Star Trek series, uh, the legends of Stovacor, Klingon, warrior, heaven, basically. They're Valhalla, mm-hmm. if you want to put mm-hmm. it in a Norse mythology uh, terms. Uh, and it is interesting that the series started with the Klingons almost, you know, uh, disregarding their dead and leaving them mm-hmm. on the battlefield and not uh, collecting the bodies. So there is, there, that's that's a rich mind to explore. And is it, you know, I, I mean, I always love having this conversation with other fans and i mean and it spreads to other uh forms of ip and what we see on tv or film and then what we see in the novels or in the comics and stuff like that is this series considered canon
1: oh uh, it's tricky i mean yeah, I, 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 the way <laughs> the way that we think about it or the way that i think about it is like it is too it isn't um you know we we make um every everything we do is is through cbs and it's approved at every level sure now, if someone um, – we make every effort to make sure that everything we do falls in line mm-hmm. with canon. Yeah. But if someone five years from now right. wants to make a movie about Tukovma, um, we have no control over that. Of we course. can't look into the future and see. Uh, you can see what happened with, like, the Star Wars novels um, where I think everyone was considering those canon um, until they weren't. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I – when when we make the comic, we try and make sure that everything lines up. But kind of once I put it in the world, I can't right. worry about it. Well, Otherwise no one... I will have a nervous breakdown.
0: Understood. And no one can control the future. And in fact yeah. Discovery until if if there's an explanation within the series, we'll see. But I can't help but notice that in the last episode, uh they pretty much well, and in the last couple episodes, including the sarcophagus ship, it seems like the Klingons have the cloaking technology when it seemed to be established in the original series that the cloaking technology came from the Romulans. And and I know that the Romulans and the Klingons had their uh, alliances during the original series, but it just always seemed like when it came to cloaking device, it was much as a phaser is a Federation weapon Mm -hmm. or a Batleth is a Klingon weapon, the cloaking device is Romulan technology. And even in Deep Space Nine, when the Defiant gets its cloak, it's a Romulan operating.
1: Well, speaking of cloaking technology, you should read uh, the Star Trek Discovery comic. There you go. <laughs> How's that for synergy? I like it.
0: No, that's great, honestly. And I do. Um, I am open until like things end, and then I'll say, "Well, okay, that was good, or that's not." And that, and you know, you and I talked in New York about uh, mm-hmm. Discovery, and you know, I can't deny that I've got my nitpicks. I like, I really do, and especially now that it's begun and it's running. I really mm-hmm. like it overall, and I uh, and I uh, you know the broad strokes. It's fun, it's exciting. I'm I'm cool with the fact that the technology is is you know decades you know if not centuries right. beyond what Kirk and Spock were doing in the original series. That's all fine, but there are little things that I can't deny, like the cloaking technology. Where it's like, wait a minute, that's a Romulan thing. So if yeah. they if they're going to explain it, then I'm cool with it. But if it if it does kind of lead you know well because we say so, it's like okay, that's a choice and that's cool, you know, whatever. But yeah, you know, I mean, you are going to have like, you know, our, our nerdy older fans are going to be like, well, okay, I guess.
1: Right, you know. right. So it's, I, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. What's that? It's really different. It's hard and it's really, really different. Um, that's the one thing that everybody asks me, like, <laughs> what do you think about it? And I'm like, well, first of all, it's different. Like, you know, sure. that's just something that you need to, if you can't get past that, I, I don't have much to tell you. Um <laughs> But, yeah, if anybody thinks that they were going to make, like, a vintage-looking Star Trek, it just wasn't going to happen. But, man, it's a beautiful-looking show. Yes. (laughs) I think, you know, at least you can enjoy it on an aesthetic level. Um, So, you know, maybe the first time someone watches an episode, they can just try to enjoy it purely and then watch it again and kind of, like, go through the, I don't get this, I don't understand this kind of thing.
0: Well, I, so. kind of, I kind of missed until uh, it was reminded uh, to me that uh, Call, or however you say uh-huh. his name, the, Kling, the current guy that's trying to really uh, be the Klingon leader, uh, was from the House of Kor, who yep. was John Kolokos in uh, the original series, and certainly all the way through Deep Space Nine, and one yep. of those three key Klingons that fought Kirk and also managed to have a legacy beyond the original series, Ken mm-hmm. Kol- and Kor. So that's interesting and I wonder and hope to see them explore uh, that part of uh, discovery and stuff, you know, in the, in the subsequent episodes. And we get a little bit more of uh, an, an understanding of where Cole is and in the whole Klingon hierarchy and everything.
1: Yeah. There, there's a shot, I think it's episode two where Takuma's, um maybe it's episode one there. He's talking to the different houses uh-huh. and they're kind of, I just wanted to like freeze frame that and I want to do like a story on each one of them no, because sure. they're all, they're so beautiful and they're so different. And I just wish we had time to do like every single one of the houses. Um, I could do Klingons all day long and be happy. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So,
0: so, uh, moving forward for, for the IDW comics. So you've got the four issue discovery mini series. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you've got the, uh, you know, Itick is just getting started that six issues. Mm-hmm. And then um, John Byrne is doing a new, uh, what do they call them? The, I'm looking at it here, New he Visions.
1: Calls them, yeah, he calls them, um, well, New Visions is the name of the book. Yeah, what does he call them? Um, he calls, what does he call them? Photo novels, I think.
0: Okay, because, um, you know, there's the Italian word, too, fumetti. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's basically, um, he will go through and he will find, um, you know, the face of Kirk from one episode of the original series, maybe the hands of Kirk from another one. (laughs) And he creates these entirely new original series episodes um, and basically photo montages different aspects, or he might create, um, you know, a new background. Yep. Um, And he just goes through and in Photoshop um, puts these all together and creates new stories. It's amazing. And uh, he says that, you know, this is the most fun he's had in a long time. And I know it's really different, and it kind of divides comic book fans. Um, tell me why. Well, I think because they love his artwork so much, and it's like you know they want they want they
0: want John Byrne drawing Star Trek, obviously, yeah, exactly. which, which you guys exactly. have provided in the past. And there's a lot of Absol- great miniseries. One of my favorites, Leonard McCoy, Frontier Doctor.
1: Yes, that's a really great one. But but I'll tell you what, when I go to Star Trek conventions. Star Trek fans, especially kind of the older generation, love the hell out of damn these straight.
0: Things. I'm one of those people. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah. and we and remember, think... uh, in God, in the late '70s or early '80s, they made a bunch of photo novels where they, yeah. and, you know, they really were just the episodes presented in a comic book style fashion, with all uh, photos taken from literally from the scenes from the show, and it was yeah. great. Oh my God, I loved every one of them. So, and and really, I I think. It's burn using a different muscle, and I'm glad he's having fun doing because they're they're a pleasure to read, and, they're, right, and they yeah. really are inventive. And in some ways, sometimes they're completely original stories. Sometimes they're callbacks to old stories. There's a great story with uh, uh, Gary. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. I'm forgetting his last name, but uh, the from the second pilot, the first pilot was Shatner, uh, right? But yeah, Gary, his uh, his buddy who's the commander that uh, becomes an ESP and telekinetic uh, god at the end of the uh, the pilot and everything and uh, this kind of continues the story which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, someone had to explain to me that like, you know, back in the day, quote unquote, there was no uh way to rewatch your favorite episode. There was no way to go rent the movie. You know, I grew up um pre-internet. I'm hip. So, you know, it maybe I'd want to watch a specific episode of Next Generation And I could just turn on the TV and maybe I wouldn't get that episode, but I'd get at least an episode. Um, But, you know, the photo novels were a way to like go back and enjoy it. And that explained to me a lot, too, about novelizations of movies. I always wondered, like, why did these exist? And that kind of made things very clear to me.
0: (laughs) Well, absolutely. And being part of that older fandom, I was on the young end of that older fandom, but I do remember (laughs) going to conventions and people having... Uh, cassette tapes of the audio of episodes, and, and that being
1: Oh, really? So. Of the audio? That's so cool. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, again, this was in the pre-VHS and beta days and everything, yep. so yeah, this is really, you know, again, in the 70s. Uh, and also, as you say, the uh, just in general, movie novelizations, but uh, specifically for Star Trek, James, James Blish, this amazing science fiction author, doing these great kind of, I guess, short story versions, if not novellas, mm-hmm. of uh, of the various mm-hmm. episodes, and uh, man, that was, I mean, that's the thing. I, I bought all those, I bought all those novels and everything. They were fantastic. And then they did it again with Alan Dean Foster for the animated series.
1: Yeah. So. I mean, there's something to be said for them. Like, even though I have the internet and, um, memory alpha at my fingertips, sure. I still have all my compendiums too. Girl. There's just like something to be able to flip through them. And sometimes it's just nice to flip through them. Um, and you might see something that you weren't actually looking for, but was interesting.
0: Absolutely. It, so. uh, well, and I know for it, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm so happy. I'm always happy to see Christopher Pike. I, I, I don't know if he's going to show up in the six episodes uh, that are going to be left, or even uh, there's one more as we're recording this and I'll put this out likely before the mid season finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I hope I, and I also know David, in David Mack's new novel, that is a prequel to the series and has Michael Burnham on. Um...
1: Yes, the cover. I yeah yeah, I need to read that. Yeah, I, me too. I've been, my head's been so <laughs> full that, in some ways, I didn't want to quite a, read it quite quite yet, because um, I basically try and stay away from the other Star Trek novelizations. I just don't want it to like cross pollinate in my head. Sure. Um, but that one is definitely on my to-read list.
0: And you know, I almost wonder—like, you know, too much of a good thing. We all love pizza, but I don't know, pizza every day might get you know tiresome after a while. And uh yes. I don't know yet. Uh, the jury's yes. still out. But no, I was wondering for your own consumption of Trek, because clearly you're a hardcore Trek fan and everything. You know, yeah. What do you do to turn off and and kind of get away from Trek?
1: Um, I I still now and then will just put on a random episode of TNG. There I think. Know. It's that it's that nostalgia thing. Like I love Deep Space Nine, but I didn't watch it when it first came out. Interesting. So I think when I sit down to watch something like that or Voyager, um, it takes a little bit more like engagement, like mental engagement. Sure. But if I'm feeling sick or something like that, the TNG stuff that I watched when I was growing up, it's it's kind of like a nice blanket in some ways. Totally. that Sounds weird.
0: Not at all. Um, no. Are like, you kidding? I'm just, getting over a yeah. I'm getting over a flu myself. And I've been doing that with all the iterations of, of Star Trek. So mm-hmm. I, I know exactly what you mean. And Next Generation is as much in the mix as Deep Space Nine and, and Enterprise. Voyager's my kind of rough one. Uh-huh. I got to admit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are great, there are exceptional episodes of Voyager. And, oh, I'm not, and I'm not being nice. But for me, it was only like a third of Voyager was exceptional. And then, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, I, I would say of all the spinoffs, and I loved, I certainly loved Next Ger- Generation when it came back. But uh, Deep Space Nine is my show. That, that one's yeah. the one that I love the most.
1: Yeah. And it's nice, too, because again, like it, it, something that today's kids won't really get at all is just the experience of literally not knowing which one was going to be on. You would just turn it on at like whatever time you knew Trek was on, and it'd be like, oh, this one, I love this one, or oh, this one, I just want. <laughs> And, you know, you don't really have that experience anymore. Um, You would end up kind of watching ones over and over and over again just because they were on. And then you contrast that with something like Discovery. And I think we talked about this a little bit in New York. I don't know if those kind of like done in one type of series can ever really exist again in a world where it's Game of Thrones, you know, multi-part, multi-level story arcs where, you know, giant battles or deaths or whatever happen at like certain points to kind of add an exclamation point to the, um to the arc of the series. Like the way TV is structured these days is so incredibly different than it was even when I was growing up in the eighties and nineties. Agreed. Um, but then did you watch um, last week's episode, which for us would have been um, the Saru one. Yes, I did. Or Saru. Yeah. That I one I think is, the closest um, to kind of like a semi done in one character study. I
0: was gonna say that also I thought the previous week, the time loop one with Harry Mudd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's
1: I mean a that, good point. that
0: really could have just been, you know, not involved at all with the Klingon War or anything and really just been mm-hmm. a whole Harry Mudd episode. And it basically was you know what's crazy? I went to high school with Rain Wilson.
1: Yeah who did and, that's fine.
0: And we were in a play together as well. We were in Cyrano oh, we so were cool. in Cyrano together. He was Christian.
1: Oh, how funny! So I was yeah. the spear
0: carrier. I was the guy who, in, if you know Roxanne, the Steve Martin adaptation of mm-hmm. Cyrano I'm the guy who in the beginning says, "Man, what a big nose!" And you know, then Sireno's yeah. like, "Really? That's all you got? You couldn't have said it this way. You couldn't have said it that way." So that's awesome. So yeah, no. And Rain was great. And my friend uh, Jim True Frost, who is an exceptional actor as well, he's in the movie Affliction with um,
1: uh-huh.
0: James Coburn, and uh, and and now I'm blanking. And I see uh, the mm-hmm. guy from 48 Hours. Uh, shame on me. Uh-huh. Not Eddie Murphy, the other guy. <laughs> What's Nick Nolte, yep. for God's sake? Uh, yeah. I couldn't think of his name. And he's in, um, oh God, uh, the movie with Matt Dillon and uh, Bridget Fonda and um, uh, oh, oh. Cameron Crowe and uh, or, yep. or Cameron something.
1: Totally don't remember the name. Singles.
0: Singles. Yes. Another 90s movie. Up. And uh, he's in the mm-hmm. Hudsucker proxy and he's done a lot of television. He was in Treme and he was in The Wire. But mm-hmm. uh, Jim was Cyrano. Oh cool! Yeah, we had a that's good. So we, cool. Yeah, we had a cool high school, and Lily Taylor came from our high school as well. She was two uh, two grades under us. So, Jeez! Yeah, I know, man. So, I got nothing. Star I got power. Nothing. Let me tell you, Chicago yeah. star power for you. But uh, no, I'm I'm really happy for Rain. I think he's a he's a fun, very different Harry Mudd. I'm a Roger. It's such Carmel
1: a cool fan. casting choice. Yeah, it's such a cool casting choice.
0: Absolutely. I love it. No, a very much more devious con man, and I think that that's really interesting. And again, like I said, from the macro standpoint, I'm really enjoying the show. Um, I still when well well two things. One, it was interesting. This last Saru episode would have been the mid season finale, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of relieved it wasn't because kind of in the same way. And I and I know we didn't. And I'm I'm trying to remember correctly. Yeah, because it didn't premiere until after New York Comic Con.
1: It premiered. Am I wrong? No, I think it was. It was right before New York Comic Con. Oh, you're um, right. It was because we like did talk right about before. It. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, just in the same way that I felt the first episode that they aired on the network was not was not enough of a if I wasn't already a huge Star Trek right. fan.
1: Right. I don't know if I, I would have got. Yeah. The way that I was looking at it, I know we talked about it, is that episode one and two were almost like a tentpole movie prequel. Absolutely. And then episode three was like the real first episode of the show. Sure,
0: but I also thought if if they would have shown the two on CBS, you, you do get at least enough of a story. You get the the beginnings of Michael Burnham. You understand right. her where where her story is coming from, and it's like okay. Oh. And then you you know at least give them give them that movie. And make people decide. And, and again, apparently the numbers were huge. I'm assuming also globally. I'd, I'd be I'd be interested to hear what the domestic breakdown was. But I'm I'm really glad they're getting a second season because much like Next Generation. Now again, you you might have a different point of view, but mm-hmm. Next Generation's first season. Had a lot of great episodes, but also had a lot of really clunky episodes, too. Had
1: some stinkers, oh, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm glad you said stinkers. Um, I agree with you.
1: Yeah. No. I, I, and it's weird, too. These days, um, shows aren't really given that much time to, like, grow Absolutely. and change. Um, so I'm really glad it's getting a second season. I I just am happy to have Star Trek on TV. Me, too. Um, <laughs> I want, trust me, if we could have nine different series on TV, I would be a happy camper and watch them all. Um, But I think everyone knows that there's a lot, um, a lot of TV out there. Um, People will talk about shows and I'm like, I would love to watch that. There is not enough time in the day if I'm planning on like sleeping and maybe reading a book now and then. Absolutely. So it's hard.
0: (laughs) Well, and I'm, I'm really hopeful that CBS kind of opens the doors more. And we mm-hmm. may begin an animated Star Trek series in the way that the Star Wars fans have certainly been able to get it. And some of these I would other, love that. Yeah. And even as we hear that there's uh, another storyline that, um, God, man, I'm sorry. I'm blanking on everybody's names now, but uh, 7% Solution author and Nicholas Meyer. Right. That Nicholas Meyer was working on another story. I, man, I'll tell you though, I, I still don't understand. Are, are you able to say and decipher why we're not getting stories in the future? And I know that's more of a CBS question, but has it been explained yeah. to you why we're not no. getting stories in the future?
1: No, it, it has not um, been explained. I think those are all you know decisions so far above my head, God knows. Um, so you know, in a perfect world for me, like you said, I think there is so much room within Star, Star Trek. Just like Star Wars has like Star Wars Rebels and like right. all these Wars, things, all that stuff. Absolutely, that's that's the kind of rich um, Star Trek world that I would like to see, where you know us in the comic book world can play our part, the novelist world can play their part, you know the film world was their part, and then there can be a multi-part kind of TV thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, my vote would definitely be for um, a Starfleet Academy. Um, exactly. Well, and I'm glad show, you guys were kind of playing, the,
0: you you guys were playing with that in the comics with Jayla.
1: Yes, exactly. And because um, I really do think that Star Trek is so good for young minds, especially yep. um, that it's just a really great way to, to look at the future and see what we could be um, when we work together and um use science and all of our good brains to solve problems and bring different skill sets to the table, um, to work for the greater good. And
0: also the natural dynamic of teenagers, just like meeting people from different backgrounds for the first time. I mean, it's high school, which is, I think fantastic. That's, that's great drama right there. And uh, exactly. Yeah, no question. And also again, I mean, the hints of things like Red Squat that we that we got in Deep Space Nine and how cadets work together and even mm-hmm. the, you know, ending of Deep Space Nine that Miles was going back uh, to teach at the Academy, Miles O'Brien. Mm-hmm. And it was just, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, as I'm sure many Star Trek fans were thinking, oh, God, wouldn't it be great to have a Starfleet Academy series where, okay, we're going to learn from Admiral Worf today and, you know, find out the exactly. tactical stuff or, you know, exactly. everybody. Absolutely. And give... Give these wonderful actors the chance to come back and reprise their characters in a in a more teaching sort of way, and 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 uh, again, that's as I know. I'm sure you have you share the same frustration as a, as a fan, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners do as well. It just with all these people still vital and and young enough to pull it off, it's like my God, mm-hmm. don't don't wait for these guys to to you know poor poor Nemo. I'm glad he got his couple you know.
1: Few yeah. rounds
0: before he passed away and everything. And to be honest, I thought kind of wasted in the second movie, but uh, you know,
1: yeah, it was still nice to see. Him, Absolutely, though, but I, I know what you mean.
0: No question, you know. And Scotty, of course, I'm glad Dohan got to come back on uh, Next Gen and everybody that's done it, even the fan films. I, I it's so clunky. The one that has uh, Captain Harriman from Generations, the guy who's uh, from Ferris Bueller and Spin City. Alan.
1: Yeah, I have not. I have not watched those again. Oh, really. For the, for the- oh you're so afraid yeah I understand you're afraid of you the polluting it, and everything. You know what I mean <laughs> um, it, I really do and I, I, I have not watched I have not watched Orville either. oh
0: I was gonna ask uh, really yeah. oh Sarah I think you're missing out on something fun I don't know
1: maybe in time maybe in time but for right now no I try and keep it um, as pure as I can I don't read like fan fiction or anything like that I just want to try and stay because I just don't want it to creep into my mind somewhere in the back um there's already so much weird information floating around my head about Star Trek and like, <laughs> God knows what else.
0: Will you ever? Uh, will you ever write one of these yourself? Or have you? I and I missed it. it?
1: Be, yeah, I think it would be fun to collaborate, like with Mike, but I don't really have any huge desire to write one solo. Okay. Um, I definitely will chime in. Like, um, I think the gender swap issue in number twenty nine was kind of my idea. Um, but no, I, I, at this point don't really have any desire to write.
0: Are, and are, are these the same characters that we see at the end of the first issue of Itic?
1: Uh, they are. Okay. You, you see, um, I think you see, uh, Jane Kirk. Yes. And you see, uh, Lady Spock.
0: La- Lady Spock. I love
1: Lady <laughs> Spock. That's how I keep it there in my mind. Um, and you will see Uhuro and you will see, uh, Pavela. So oh, well. you'll see a lot of them coming up in the next couple issues. So it's so fun.
0: That's hilarious. That's fantastic. Oh, my God. So, again, I started to ask you earlier, and then we got diverted. But um, what el- I mean, what else can you tell us in terms of uh, what's coming from IDW in terms of uh, other Star Trek uh, stuff beyond the mini?
1: Well, I can – yeah, I can definitely hint on some things. Um, so we've been kind of focusing on um, the Klingon Houses for the first um, miniseries for Discovery. Uh, we are going to turn our focus soon uh, to kind of the Federation side of things. Great. Um, with something that will be announced in the March in-store previews. Okay. So keep an eye out for that. Um, we are definitely also taking a look at how well-loved the Mirror Broken series has been. Um, and definitely I've hinted at some conventions recently that we're looking for ways to expand on that as well. Um, so if you're into that, you're going to be very excited this spring. Excellent. I guess I will hint at that as well. So
0: when you say the March previews, it'll be the January previews for March? or
1: That's correct, okay. January for
0: March. Excellent. Yeah. All right, so good new announcement in January. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, So, and then I've got a couple other things uh, cooking, some chicks up my sleeve that, a girl. Um, that we're working on for the next year. And then um, one other kind of weird thing to look out for that I I don't want people to sleep on is that we did an exclusive mirror-broken issue for Loot Crate that came out last September. And it's basically the origin story of Data, um, uh, how he came to be and how he came to be with those kind of Borg accoutrements, if you will. (laughs) Um, And that is written by the uh, Tiptons. With art by Josh Hood. Very cool. Um, So that's something that if you were a Loot Crate member, you could get in that box. I have heard through various sources that one can also pick up a copy on eBay. Um, But again, that's a 20-page exclusive comic to to Loot Crate.
0: That's excellent. Josh Hood, by the way, of course, for the listeners – uh, does the first chapter of Ittik as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel like we've kind of not given the artist enough love in this discussion. Well, I was going to uh, say, yeah, really, we've only fun. talked
0: to J- about J.K. and Tony, so please continue.
1: Yeah, so Itick, um we've got uh, an issue by Josh Hood, who is doing kind of the bookend ones. Um, we've got a issue by Megan Levins, who I think brings kind of some not-quite-full-animated-love uh, huh? style to Star Trek. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely a bit different, and I really, really like it. She's been doing a bunch of issues for me lately. Uh, and right now, I'm working on an issue with Tana Ford. Oh, terrific. I know a, Tana. She's, she's, she's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so she's working on one right now. And then the next one that we have Mar- is going to be by Marcus Toe. Excellent. Um, Very cool. So we're working with a bunch of really awesome people right now for the edict storyline.
0: That's excellent. No, Tana and I've, uh, she's been on the show, and we've, uh, We've gone back and forth in our love for Trek, absolutely, so that's,
1: yeah, that's terrific. that's she is hardcore. It's really fun to talk <laughs> with her uh, and see just kind of how much fun she's having with it. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it's nice. It's nice when people are nerdy enough about it to, like, nerd out while they're working so hard on it. And I'm sure it's it's extra rewarding on those long, long nights. They work so hard on the stuff. So Excellent.
0: You you mentioned that, you know, you were at the the Vegas convention and everything. So, yeah, mm-hmm. tell us more. How was it?
1: Oh, it was a great one this year. Um, It was really discovery focused. um, And I feel like a lot of people kind of came in being like, I don't know, especially because at that time there wasn't that much information out there. Right. Um, But I think they really converted a lot of people. Um, I think one of my favorite moments was uh, watching um, Mary, who plays Laurel, talk with um, the actor who plays, oh, my gosh, what's his name? um the next generation Klingon um not Worf um not maybe it is Gowron the leader Uh, the
0: the the guy who was uh, yeah
1: yeah and they were like trading stories on like oh what kind of makeup are they using on you like how do you get through sitting in the chair and I was just like I can't believe this is my life that's fantastic that's yeah so that was really cool um there was some excellent talks all the people that were working on all the makeup design and um, the set design that were really fascinating to see the way that technology is, our technology is influencing Trek. Um, literally the, the use of 3d printing has changed everything. I believe it. Um, and then being able to, and they have this at San Diego comic-con as well, and it's kind of been traveling around, but they actually have on display a lot of the costuming and the props and you can get right up to it and look at it. And, you know, I've seen a lot of the old props, too, and they're beautiful, sure. kind of in a low-tech way that literally you can tell they're sourcing one part from this weird machine and kind of just plopping it together. This stuff is, like, intricate like you would not believe. It is truly art, um, and you can go right up to it and look. So if that if that exhibit ever does come to your town, I really, really highly recommend that you check it out.
0: That sounds great, and I did look at uh, stuff at San Diego uh certainly and it was interesting to see that that kind of it's not chainmail but you know that kind of braided or whatever almost like warf's uh, sash in next mm-hmm. generation but it's part of the uh discovery and and even maybe it was part of the beyond uniforms and i'm sure there's a similarity to those uniforms but they am i right weren't they like actually mini star trek logos or enterprise logos yes, like the yes like little
1: deltas yes yeah. little
0: deltas exactly
1: it's so cool the 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 federation uniforms are gorgeous uh but when you look at them they they're so beautiful and thin um these actors are like the the fittest star trek actors ever because it looks incredibly unforgiving that's hilarious um but they do have the coolest boots i have put in an official request for them to to mass market those boots cuz they are awesome looking. That's
0: funny. I got to be honest the disco uh, discovery uh, t-shirts that they're wearing when they're jogging in the show. I'm like, okay, this is supposed to be a covert ship. Maybe we don't have yeah. maybe we don't have shirts that actually say where we're from.
1: Yeah, well, you know, they just made them right there on the ship, so well, but, they can kind of keep hey, it in. I'm just kidding. Yeah, you it's know, pretty fun. You, know
0: you know, let's go back to Enterprise when they were boarded all the time. You know, That's true.
1: That's true. I just want one of those shirts. That's the reason I'm defending I am waiting. I'm waiting for my shirt to come in the mail.
0: Oh, that's hilarious. That's fantastic. I, I, I assumed that you could immediately buy them once they were shown on the TV totally. show and everything. Are you watching totally. After Trek with Matt Myra?
1: I have not been watching the after-track parts. I've been kind of just like watching the track and then um, I go back and I sometimes look at the scripts that I have and it's kind of fun from my comic book perspective to see the whole process of making the TV show. I like to kind of see like what changed, sure, what got cut, that kind of thing. Absolutely.
0: You know, do you have – are there – Fuller uh, versions of the script uh, Brian Fuller versions Before uh, it was expanded Into the 15 episodes Have you been able To see any of that
1: I'm sure there are I have not okay. Been given access yeah, yeah. to that yeah, yeah. I'm
0: sure you only see What they, they'll allow you To see obviously And stuff mm-hmm. How is the vetting process there, Is it Has it been an easy process In terms of You know Going over things with them In terms of what you've Wanted to do with the comics
1: Yeah no It's been amazing I mean e- Even before this We've had um, An incredible working relationship and I think that's really what's gotten us to the point that we have the access to to the discovery materials like we do, um, be it scripts or um, art and development um, or being able to bounce ideas off of them. Um, one of the things that's really cool is um, there's a scene, I think, in episode one where Takuma, young Takuma is kind of running around in this kind of like shadowy area and he gets kind of beaten up. Yes. Um, like he's he's a child. That's something that Kirsten wrote into the first issue and they liked it so much um that they added it to the TV show. Oh, fantastic. Um, and so it's kind of nice to have that cross-pollination where where things get hard <laughs> and this is a little bit of why things run late and it's, you know, no one's fault really, is that um we do get access to uh art, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um if it's something that has to be physically created, like a suit or um, a phaser, that's kind of easy. Those things take time to produce, so we have that reference. Tony can go ahead and draw it. Okay. But when we're waiting for visual effects, um, I, you know, it makes sense. Those things take a really long time. Um, I guess none of us really realized how long that actually takes sometimes. Um, so if we're waiting on something that we need to reference in the comic that has to be done in visual effects, that really puts a lot of time um, into it. So it's been a learning curve for us that maybe if we don't have to use something that we're waiting on visual effects for, we should not uh, do it. Got it. So
0: Okay. yeah. What about, uh, what do you think of the Discovery design? I like the fact that the uh, part of the saucer kind of spins around before they (laughs) they make their little flip and warp.
1: I think, I think it's really cool. I know it divides a lot of people, but I actually really like this the Shinzo as well um, yeah. i kind I kind of like it that it's like you know the the trek that we all know and love, be it the next generation or beyond, that's kind of like the the trek towards the level of of the perfected federation where everything is kind of going really right and everything's working sure. You're firing at all the cylinders and everything. All the kinks have been kind of worked out. I kind of like that some of the ships that we're seeing now, there are things that aren't quite perfect. Like I think Zhou says that the Shenzhou, um, it's a little old. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I kind of like seeing that kind of thing. Like the Federation stuff doesn't need to be like perfect for me. I kind of like to see it when it's in its imperfect Kind of larval state.
0: Now, speaking of Giorgio, I have to ask uh, your your opinion of the character because I love Michelle Yeoh. I think she's an excellent actor, but I have to say the way that they've been showing her, and it was really funny to see Saru go. You know, Mm -hmm. give me a display of the best captains that you know in in Star Trek history, and uh, she's on the list. But all we really saw her do was kind of fail at the Battle of the Binary Stars. We didn't really, I mean, I, and I'll be honest, that, that mm-hmm. first scene of her and Michael in on the desert planet and her, you know, almost with uh, snowshoes uh, stamping out okay. a, a Federation uh, logo or a Delta. I'm like, okay,
1: whatever. I kind of loved That's that. A, See, I think, yeah, <laughs> I, I think she really divides people. I respect
0: that. That's okay. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, you know, obviously I would love to see 12 episodes of just the relationship of Burnham and Georgiou. I, um, I kind of feel like there's definitely something there. Um, why everyone loves her so much, why she's such a revered captain, um, I don't think we've seen all of that yet. Well, maybe in the next um, maybe we'll, season. We'll, you know, in yeah, maybe we we'll will. Yeah, maybe we will someday. Uh, and if not maybe that's something we can do comics about no question um, and, again, and, but, uh, and
0: again david's yeah. david's novel obviously you know kind of uh is is a is a mission like that and then also totally. the inevitable and and again i as i understand it slightly covered in the novel but uh the spock uh, michael brother sister whatever kind of relationship they had on vulcan
1: yeah I mean, it, yeah, it kind yeah i want to de- see yeah, that too.
0: demands to be uh shown and I got to tell you, I'm still not convinced why Michael Burnham needed to be Sarek's uh, ward rather than another Vulcan. Because, and I don't know if we, we talked about this in New York, but my my go to example is it's like you know Martin Luther King Jr. was not the only civil rights leader. And while mm-hmm. I can appreciate the idea that this kind of close contact and uh, working with humans might still be Uh, not the, you know, a minority view on Vulcan. It Mm -hmm. can't just be one guy. I just, I I think it's kind of overly simplistic to say Sarek was the only one.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's an interesting foil for Spock in some ways, even though they've never met. Um, I love Sarek, so I'm just kind of like, yay, Sarek! I'm looking at it in very, (laughs) very uh, simple terms. I also would love to see like 12 episodes of them growing up, so I'm hoping, you know, Knock wood, this is the kind of series that has enough legs that in time, um, we can see all these wonderful things that the fans want to see. But, but um, will we see Cyborg, not- or
0: is Cyborg going to be the Chuck of Happy Days? You know, or the Chuck of oh, the, Chuck, yeah. the Chuck of Star yeah. Trek?
1: Well, maybe that'll be the uh, <laughs> the next series we do.
0: <laughs> I keep saying I want. Who knows? I want to see a Photoshop of a you know a family dinner table and uh, and have have it be Sarah, Amanda, yes. Spock, Cyborg, and and Michael.
1: Yes. And it would be a very quiet dinner table, maybe. Oh, my God.
0: I, uh, yeah. you know, again, well, we'll see. And, and I have to say, another thing, I really I like the actor that's playing Sarek, but Sarek seems to be a little too all-knowingly. The comparison I make is when the the best part of Star Trek, the motion picture was Spock finding himself. And mm-hmm. that's such a great character moment that amongst – I mean, the movie can be overly with the special effects because of the time it was made. Mm-hmm. But but that is the best thing to come out of that movie because moving forward, Spock is comfortable with both sides of who he is. Right. Sarek almost acts a little too cute with humans. But then again, he did marry Amanda. But I just think it's – he is so different from where Mark Leonard uh, was or Leonard, however you say his last name. Uh, yeah. The original Serik, when we first see him in Journey to Babel in the original series, and I and I just don't it it doesn't jive with me that this is the same guy. I also know that the mirror universe is in play. Maybe we're seeing a different Serik.
1: We don't know yet. I guess. Yeah, and again, I think it would be really interesting to do just like an entire Vulcan series where you can sure. see, you know, why why is his character like this now? If we know he's going to end up like this, then right you know, what changes is, is this, <clears throat> what aspect of his, um, his character changes, what changes it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to see that for, for all the characters. Honestly, I love Saru, especially, um, I want to see where his character develops. Agreed. You know, I think Tilly is one of those that really, um, uh, people love her or hate her. I like her. Um, I just wish they didn't. I like her a lot. I, I
0: just wish that uh, they didn't say, you know, or like, hey, we're on, we're on stream of TV, so we get to say fuck. And it's like,
1: really, that's weird, right? Yeah. It's weird. I, I kind of down with it. I kind of, it doesn't really take up too much time of my day thinking about sure. it. But <laughs> when I read it, when I read it in the script, I was like, whoa. Oh, I wonder if they're going to change that, and they haven't. So well, it
0: just seemed to—it yeah. just seemed to like be uh, okay. Here's where we insert the trivia question that everyone asks: When's the first time the F bomb was dropped on Star Trek? Here we are.
1: Totally, totally. And I want a 12 issue maxi series of how <laughs> fuck is expunged from Star Trek Federation moving forward. That's excellent. It's going to be just talking head pages uh, I was uh, I was there
0: the day that Admiral Nagora said it was okay to drop the f-bomb at all uh, state functions yeah. that's yeah. that's fantastic yep. oh my god too goddamn funny that's that's terrific yep. ah nice going Sarah you're killing me
1: thank you absolutely thank you. No, and I, I'm a lucky lucky person to be able to work on this stuff. keep it
0: up man. Ken, yeah you' you're hurting the cats well because uh, they're they're producing really fun Star Trek and I I'm happy to uh, have you guys on and uh, talk about the great product that IDW is contributing to the Star Trek mythos. Because, as you said, licensed comics, when done right, are fantastic. And, and growing up, as I did, when it was kind of hit and miss with a lot of licensed comics and stuff, it's really nice to see that... Uh, and I know this is the case for a lot of uh, IDW's other uh, IPs that they get to play with the licensed comics, whether it's G.I. Joe or the Transformers, uh, plant, you mm-hmm. know, all of this stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm glad, but certainly as a Star Trek fan... I, I know it's in good hands, and very excited about the product that's coming up. So, uh, uh,
1: thank you. No, I'm I'm happy to be able to herd these cats. But literally, you know, I could not do it without the incredible efforts of everyone that I work with, um, especially Mike, but especially too the artists that are working their buns off day in and day out um, to get this to you in a monthly schedule. Um, couldn't do it without them. Excellent.
0: Well, uh, we'll check back in a few months and uh, review more product if you're uh, if you're
1: up for it absolutely i'll be there
0: i'm telling you every time i talk to sarah i like her that much more and she's doing a hell of a job with the star trek books at idw so it's always a pleasure to catch up with her and let you know what's coming up from idw really interesting star trek product if you're a fan there's a good reason why, and uh, the people that Sarah Gatos uh, have working with her are a big reason for that. So thanks a lot, Sarah, for coming on. Thank you for listening. Today's Word Balloon brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Again, if you'd like to subscribe to Word Balloon, you can go to wordballoon.com, click, click on the Patreon ad over there, or go to com slash wordballoon. Can you still hear the cold in my voice? I'm sorry, man. I'm trying to uh, lick this thing, and I'm always strong enough to do my radio job and probably get through a – a podcast or whatever, but I'm definitely going to need uh, tea and uh, warm liquid to make it through uh, these episodes. But everything's fine. Don't worry. It's uh, it's improving every day. I, every year, I get a cold like this. I know you don't give a damn, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, I, I really do. And I'll just catch a virus that sticks with me sometimes a month, sometimes even six weeks where I'm still coughing and stuff, but it goes away. And then I'm able to go about my business. And again, I work around it as best I can. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStockTrades at InStockTrades.com. I got a whole bunch of IDW product from In Stock Trades, And, of course, when uh, a new publisher gets the license, as you know, they're able to reach back and, uh, you know, represent and republish some of the best stuff that's come uh, when uh, the franchise was under other, uh, you know, versions. and uh, Or I should say, you know, under pu- other publishers. Here's a great example. You can get the Star Trek Classic Movie Omnibus. And uh that uh features the writers Marv Wolfman, Peter David, Andy Schmidt, Dave Cockrum, Klaus Jansen, Tom Sutton, among the amazing artists, Gordon Purcell, of course, Chi. It's uh thirty percent off. Uh you can get it for seventeen dollars or forty-nine cents. You might get, if you don't mind and just want a reader copy, there are damaged uh copies as well available. Sixty percent off nine ninety-nine at in stock trades. You can get Star Trek Countdown to Darkness. Uh, this is the prequel series to uh, this, uh, the uh, first uh, original 19, uh, 2009 rather uh, movie. And it explains uh, Spock's whole story of uh, attempting to help Romulus, and you really get kind of a last uh, gasp of uh, the prime universe. I would say this is the most uh, future story that really is set in the prime universe, and it's very well written. It's Robert ORC and Mike Johnson together, Dave Messina doing the art, 30% off. It's just $12.59. You can also get the Star Trek Alien Spotlight, uh, which uh, features the Gorn and the Vulcans and the Orions and a few others. John Byrne, Andrew Stephen Harris, James Patrick, Paul Story, uh, Scott and David Tipton among the writers. It's uh, 30% off. It's just $13.99. You can get Star Trek The Space Between, a great next-generation story with uh, writer David Tishman and Casey Maloney. I believe that was an original DC th- release. But now through IDW, it's uh, 30% off, $13.99. Then there's The Next Generation Omnibus, uh, collecting a lot of great stories, including The Space Between. But uh, you can get uh, that, Intelligence Gathering, The Last Generation, and Ghosts. Dave Tishman, Scott and David Tipton, Xander Cannon, all writers, Casey Maloney, Dave Messina, Gordon Purcell. Among the artists, it's uh, 30% off, $20.99. You can also get the Star Trek classic UK comics uh, that were coming out from 1972 to 1979. Really interesting stuff. Uh, Also including some bonus material and various one-shots and annuals and the strips created for the various merchandise and toys. Uh, This is 30% off, $34.99. Some of the great IDW product of Star Trek at InStockTrades.com. I am scratching the surface. There are pages and pages of amazing stuff. You can even get the adult coloring book, uh, 42% off from Dark Horse. Well, that's from Dark Horse. Uh, $8.69. That's from In Stock Trades as well. But uh, lots of great stuff from IDW and uh, other publishers with uh, Star Trek on it. Check it out for yourself, InStockTrades.com. John Sutters saying thanks again for listening to Word Balloon. Thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners, for the support. More great uh, episodes coming up because uh, we are in anticipation of a new Bendis tapes. I, I am not trying to be a, a, a silly tease It's the truth. Um, You know, Brian is doing a lot of big mainstream press because, you know, that's how it happens when this kind of big change happens. But once all that's cleared up and, uh, you know, he's able to knock out some family time and everything, Brian and I are getting together and we're going to be giving you a brand new Bendis tapes and hopefully answer a bunch of your questions in regards to uh, what's happening here in this change. going to be really neat i imagine he's not going to tip his hand but uh well i'm looking forward to it and i know you're going to get some sort of information out of him and some pretty funny stories so he's been having a great time uh all summer he's been texting me with you wouldn't believe what happened now oh i got great stuff for the podcast well you know we're gonna we're gonna make him sit down and have a nice lengthy conversation so uh if he can stand it but i'm sure he can so i'm really looking forward to bringing you that and that means there's going to be other great uh word balloons that are already in the can or already promised uh, coming up. In fact, there's a sister episode today, if you chose this one. Uh, there's also the legacy of Frank Frazetta, Frank Frazetta Jr., uh, kind enough to join uh, me on uh, Word Balloon to talk about the Frazetta Museum, some of the uh, new products that they have to uh, help uh, you know, fund the museum and get things going. There was some uh, family strife with the Frazettas, and all that's been cleared away, uh, and now the museum has reopened and uh, can be refocused on Preserving the legacy of one of the true legends of fantasy illustration, Frank Frazetta is one of a kind. And uh, if you don't know about the man, you owe it to yourself to uh, hear him because many of the great science fiction creators and fantasy writers and authors uh, will always tip their hats to Frazetta and the ideas that he expressed in his art. So pretty neat stuff. And uh, Frank Jr. has some amazing stories and some interesting re- revelations about some of the classic Frazetta pieces. So uh, join me for the legacy of Frank Frazetta on the companion episode of today's Word Balloon. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2017.